Bless up for tuning in to Project Cheney. Magic happens when you question everything. Conspirituality becomes reality, weirdness is welcomed, and it's okay to change your mind. Big up yourself. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Project Cheney. I know, it's been a little bit. I have been filling my energetic bank to make sure that I could sit down with you guys and maybe say something worthwhile. Maybe uh, say some truth, say some honesty, say some shit before we get in to chance from Interverse Podcast. I did this interview, oddly enough, um, too long ago to talk about. And I am pretty grateful that Chance and I don't get into too many political hot topics, too many current events, too many things that are just um, the flippant news cycle. We talk more about ancient symbolism and uh, esoteric ideas. I um, did have a problem with this interview and not making too many rabbit holes for myself with every sentence that Chance said. It was uh, a dichotomy of new words and uh, he's just a source and such a wealth of knowledge and information that is almost deeper rabbit holes into other things I've kind of danced around. So uh, I don't know if it's my best job as an interviewer. I don't think I really uh, do chance the honor of how uh, great he is. And so um, anyways... I'll talk about that more when I get there, but, uh, it felt like a scatterbrained interview for me. (laughs) Anywho, speaking of scatterbrained, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, and I've probably brought it up on this show or other shows is the importance of writing cursive again and the importance of putting pen to paper and doing the alchemy and energetic exchange of that. I think keyboards and block writing and tippy-tapping at each other with our thumbs energetically is missing something key. It's missing a key ingredient of communication. And like maybe it's detaching our heart chakra a little. And when we flow in a cursive state... It allows us to attach to different things than tippy-tap, tippy-tap, tap-tap-tap. And I also love cursive, how it's so distinct, how everybody has their own style of it, and everybody has their own style of the cursive dependent on who they're writing to, what they're writing about, the emotion behind it. You can almost see it in the letter, and you can see... The other thing I really like cursive is 
as your muscles get stronger, when you were first a little kid and you first picked up a pencil or pen and you learned how to write each of these symbols, each of these letters, your, your flow for the cursive gets stronger as you write it up until a certain age. And then energetically, you can't hold the pen as tight. And so your, you know, form of your writing changes. You might get a little shake or tremor to your hand. So the flow of your writing changes. And I enjoy if you look at any old writings of people from youth to you know, 80, because everybody used to write these journals and these manuscripts and these things. It was so common for us to put pen to paper. It was so original and so fucking cool. Uh, You can see the progression in age and ideas and flow of these different people. And there's even something different about the way people write in journal entries or take notes. They write a different script to themselves than when they're writing for somebody else. It's it's curious to me, almost like the notes that you're going to read, what's the energy behind those different than that same sentence you would write your mother, than the same sentence you would write your lover, than the same sentence you would write 100 times on a chalkboard. I don't know. I'm curious by it all. And so I also think that the computer really can't read cursive. It can't understand it because there's emotion and like a personalization behind it and a human energy behind it that no matter how desperate the computer tries to grasp this human experience, it never will. And so it can't see all those words. There isn't enough fonts on the planet for the computer to understand the way each one of us write. And so I think it's really important if your kids don't know how to write cursive and you're homeschooling them, maybe you sit down and teach them. It's probably as important as stick shift. I mean, look where we're at now with computer cars and they're coming in and completely taking away the ability for people to even know how their gears change. And they're taking away the ability for people to even know how to pump their own gas. And they're taking away, and you look at these electrical ports and it's so much easier for them to control every single thing you do. It's funny to me, like, if we're headed toward the world of our credit karma and our credit scores and everyone's like, well, what's your credit score for house and car? And what's this? What's your credit score? What's your credit score? Well, I don't, it doesn't matter anymore because is your social credit score going to mix with that somewhere? And my social credit score is, uh, (laughs) it's not great. And probably a lot of you out there have, um, put enough stuff on your shit, even if you were questioning things, even if you were never, you've put something on your Facebook, you've put something on your Instagram, you've tweeted about it, you've resent it to somebody else, you've screenshot it. These are all things that I think the computer can pick up on now. So even when you're just screenshotting it, screenshotting it, screenshotting it, screenshotting it, 
the computer's like, thank you for this information. We love knowing everything about you. We love knowing what you're going to reshare. Now we're going to learn this meme because you just screenshot it. We got to learn the words. I mean, seriously, it took us how many over comfortably over a year. And I'm blaming myself here for this too. It took us comfortably over a year to realize we had to cross the word vaccine out of our post so we didn't get bannered on the bottom. It took us comfortably over a year to realize not to write hashtag COVID-19. <laughs> like sometimes even the most common sense things is like, yep, the computer can see this. So my whole goal is to figure out things in my life that the computer doesn't need to see. The computer doesn't need to know all my journals. The computer doesn't need to know. Um, I know and think about it. There isn't a person you talk to out there anymore that the computer doesn't know about. You'd be like, well, I, I phone call some people. I know on your computer, the little computer in your hand, that's how you call them. It's not the same as that old dial up. Speaking of the dial up off topic. And do you remember, you guys remember like Steve Jobs wasn't one of the first things that he and uh, Wozniak created was uh, they did something weird to get like free long distance. They did something with the dial tones because they realized those tones, the like, you know, like all that stuff that happened at the internet way back when they realized when they picked it up and it was like, and before it went busy or whatever, you dial your numbers. They realized if you put in a certain tone key at the beginning, it would tell the computer that you paid money for the long distance call on the other end. And tone and harmonics and this is the part of science and magic and us that I really think we need to delve into more. It is another thing really great about Chance is he is a sound healer and he works a lot. I don't know if he'd call himself that. He works in sound healing. Yeah, he's a sound healer. He works in sound healing and he heals people with it. Uh, he does tuning forks and my witchy loves this. I really firmly believe that we all used to be able to find our golden throat chakra would attach with our hearts and head and the sound and tone that would come out would mix with the other people's tone and we could levitate things and move things and create things and probably open portals. I talk um, a little more about this stuff with chance on Interverse because <laughs> the way that the universe works, uh, that the way that the Interverse works is that timing always works out. So if you're listening to this right now, you can also, if you're, if you uh, miss my mug, you can go on Interverse uh, YouTube and subscribe, and I will be in one of the most recent episodes on there, and uh, you can watch Cheney and Chance on YouTube. Not Chance, my brother, for those of you out here, <laughs> out there who think that. I, oddly enough, my brother has the same name. Um, and uh, also, if you are a Patreon member, you can find the second half of that interview on uh, Interverse Patreon, Chance Garten. So uh, for those people out there that subscribe to Patreon, cool schmool, there is a place that you can see me if you missed me that much. 
I missed you guys. I haven't been great about picking up the phone. I know I haven't written. I haven't even sent a postcard. I haven't even told you I was okay. I haven't sent a text. I haven't cursive wrote you. (sighs) I have recorded. I tried to go on other people's podcasts um, and just hang out with good energies. In the last few weeks, I have been on with uh, legs from, (laughs) I never know whose real name I'm allowed to say. And so I'm like, yeah, (laughs) um, I've been on with legs on vacation forever, which is, um, you can find that on Patreon as well. So there's, here's two reasons to go get Patreon and, uh, to find vacation forever. It will be under the channel false reality check, uh, FRC and that's Buffalo and legs. I was on with her a few weeks back. And I feel like I've been frequenting, frequenting the frequenting (laughs) that I felt like Joe Biden for a second. Um, I have been frequenting. No, I can't. I'm never going to say it again. Osificus, Osiris. Where am I? Um, I have been on the weaving spiders welcome. So if you haven't done that already and you are a person out there that is always looking for another rabbit hole or a way to attach the rabbit holes to a bigger warren, uh, the weaving spiders to me is one of the best warrens out there. There isn't a topic that you can throw into the mix that somehow won't get called back around like good comedy at the end. It is a long haul type show. Sometimes it's like five, six hours long, um, but it's really, really great people. I actually intend on having most of the main cast and characters of the spiders on my season two. And I mean, they're all like a wealth of knowledge in totally different facets. And then some of the same facets just to validate each other. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like everybody has different shovels but we all try to dig in the same direction each show. Um, And so I like to be included with them anytime they let me. It is uh, good energy and it feels like a bunch of witches and wizards sitting around uh, philosophizing and bullshitting. And so if you're around on Saturday nights, you can subscribe to the spiders and they do um, those kind of shows. And then on Wednesday, they have a flow state show where there's all different kinds of artists and creators and they just sit and work on projects why one of them might read or they talk about different subjects or, um, you know, it's entertaining. If you're out there and you find that you're uh, lonely or holding your own line or just, you know, really feel like you're missing people or you want bigger conversations or deeper ideas or uh, maybe just a sense of community, these are both really great places. So if you telegram, you can find Interverse and Weaving Spiders and those podcasts and places are both on YouTube if you're more of a visual person than audio. I fully understand. So anyways, plugs, 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 plugs. What else do I want to talk about? Uh, ding, ding, ding. Uh, one of the things that we've been talking about on Spiders a little bit And I don't think, you know what I was doing right there. I was looking at my messy notes written in half cursive to myself that you guys don't ever need to see. So the writing style is a lot different. 
it looks like Chinese characters. It's like a sloppy little mess. But anyways, I was looking down at my paper and one of the things that's come up on the spiders for the last two weeks, there's this amazing dude that's been like a reoccurring character on the spiders that I've gotten the chance to cross paths with, cross paths with, cross paths with, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. I have like a, like a Sylvester, uh, the cat tongue or something. Uh, I just have to bite the tip. Anyways, his name is Mario and he brought up Pizzagate and we, you know, we were talking about pizza symbolism on the show and I thought it probably isn't a bad idea if I just talk about the Pizzagate thing again. There's a lot of new people to the conspiracy world that we will no longer call a conspiracy theory. Um, you should look up the word conspiracy, you should look up the word theory, and you should stop putting them together because some of these things we have a lot of proof on. Pizzagate, the way that the mainstream media just like to wrap it up real quick, in a is like, look at this QAnon shooter shot two shots into a pizza parlor in D.C. and it, one of the bullets just happened to hit a server. Look at Pizzagate stupid, look at QAnon's dumb. Here's how the mainstream media wraps something up. If you guys don't remember, around the same time, there was also a QAnon that uh, parked his van on. And I say QAnon with a tongue-in-cheek because any anons out there know there's no such thing as QAnons. That's like a fucking media trope, a narrative of anons, anonymous internet people have been around forever. Q was a very specific internet person. That was an anon handle. So the QAnon thing, there's no such thing as QAnons. Anyway, so at the same time, there was the QAnon on the Hoover Dam that stopped the dam and created the whole thing, which somewhere in our digs or someone out there, um, the amount of bodies that went into the dam, the cement used in the dam, the river they're blocking off with that dam, the place it provides electricity to, quote unquote, Vegas, which I don't believe at all. It probably is providing electricity to something underground. And Vegas is just like, here, look at this light bulb, you guys. Um, there should be digs done or I need to read a book or something. But the Hoover Dam is definitely a rabbit hole I've stared at the front of. I don't know if you guys can hear the thunder in the background. <laughs> there's about to be like a big Florida thunderstorm, which if you've ever been in Florida, there isn't anything like a Florida thunderstorm. It's pretty spectacular. But the Hoover Dam, I definitely think we need to look into it. I think we need to go down that rabbit hole. And if you haven't already, join the Project Cheney Telegram. I've been slacking in there, but I'm going to get back to it and start posting a lot more of the stuff I'm digging on because there's such a wealth of brains and knowledge in that room. And everybody, like the weaving spiders, everybody takes a different angle and a different turn and a different kind of magic view, a different aperture look at these subjects. And uh, so, yeah, let's Hoover Dam dig. Uh, what was I talking about back to the Pizzagate? So QAnon shoots up a pizza parlor. In reality, way back when there used to be, this, way long ago, there used to be a website called WikiLeaks. And WikiLeaks put out an FBI code. This FBI code was like, hey, we think people are trafficking humans, specifically children, and they're using these code words. 
hot dog, pizza, pasta, blah, blah, blah. You can find this stuff online still. These are actually things I've still looked up that you can put in uh, FBI pizza or FBI child trafficking code words. They'll come up. So um, these code words come out and people start doing connections and people uh, notice this Comet Ping Pong connection and they notice the owner of this Comet Ping Pong and his name was James Elephantus. Elephantus, something means like child lover. Like when you actually look up the meaning of the word Elephantus, it means something really creepy already. When the internet used to be um, somewhat free still, quote unquote, we could find anything. And so we find James Elephantus's Instagram pretty quickly. And his picture on his Instagram was the God Pan. And at the time, conspiracy theorists, we were well-versed in so much stuff that Alex Jones gave us. We were well-versed in so many symbols of the Illuminati. We were well-versed in so much about Rosicrucian and Masonic. We didn't know shit yet about Latin gods and this new kind of symbolism and this Greek uh, culture and these bathhouses and these colors and these flags and the Turkish war. And it was like this new layer that almost opened up to us because this guy had the God pan on his image. And so if you research the God pan, he is like half goat, half man, and it's really creepy, uh, symbology and all the statues and art he always is depicted playing some sort of flute it gives me like a pied piper idea like an enchanting idea like you would do with a cobra coming out of a basket he um also has a lot of depictions of him fucking a goat which is weird to me i think it's almost their symbolism because what do you call a baby goat again yeah, I'll just leave that one to ponder in your head. Um, so this pizza parlor, all these politicians um, are all linked to it. All these weird events. People started to look into this pizza parlor and they found uh, like videos of James Elephantis and somewhat of a drag character talking about, um, you know, doing creepy stuff to humans. They found a ton of creepy um Images of children at the pizza parlor where adults say really creepy stuff underneath. And then there comes this video out. There starts to be the frazzle drip of it all. And there is these images that are put out for this period of time that it looks like Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin are laying on a ping pong table, like a big ping pong table. And that they're taking part in some sort of ritual. They're partially declothed. And I've seen these images. I have. I still question whether or not they were real. But at the time they came out. And at the beginning. This is all like now we're into like the beginning. Or yeah. Beginning of 2017. All these come out. You start hearing the word frazzle drip, frazzle drip, frazzle drip. We got Trump coming into the mix in the election. So you got this Hillary Trump thing, Hillary Trump thing. Around 2017, toward the end, we get Q. And now my timeline might be a little fucked up. 
But a lot of that stuff that's in queue, this is why I don't understand why people get so mad at it. <laughs> really, if you go through it, so much of it from 9-11 to Pizzagate to a Vegas shooter to stolen elections to it's just all the stuff that conspiracy theorists say all the time, a real um, almost encyclopedia and a way of asking people questions to get them to think for themselves and they set this all up on there. The thing that I realize that people get so mad about is because in 2017, some of the first posts ever were on 11.3, Podesta's going to be arrested. On 11.4, Hillary's going to be arrested or whatever. It goes through this thing. And people are like, that never happened. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I think the information... And I used to mock it when I first read Q that the information in it, I always felt like me and a couple of my conspiracy theorist friends could have sat down and we could have created Q. There was never anything amazing in it to me, groundbreaking in it to me. Um, and it kind of triggered me a little. Now I look at it and I'm like, well, that sure woke a lot of people up. It sure gave everybody like a really like, rough, quick lesson into the whole world of lies we've been living under for the last however many decades we've been living under it, however many hundreds of years, however many thousands of years. So, um, yeah, the pizza gate of it all. Um, I know a lot of people out there think it's silly. I think they've been using pizza, pizza parlors and, uh, pizza drums and walk-in coolers and cheese and sauce that had to come from specific regions of the world for a long time to traffic humans. I think it was a very easy way for them to tell customs they didn't want any of their stuff opened. They didn't want anything ruined. They didn't want air to get in. Um, it's similar to the art in the embassy law. There's certain kinds of pizza that to be called that kind of pizza have to come from a certain region in Italy. There's a certain kind of tomato that to be called that kind of tomato has to come from this certain region in Italy. As long as these things exist that we're like, no, 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 you're not allowed to open that thing of tomatoes. You'll ruin the tomatoes because it's, they're extra expensive because they come from this certain part of Italy and I need it to make my specific kind of pizza. This is how we smuggle humans in drums. I also think when you think of the frazzle drip and all the symbology of frazzle drip, whether you're looking at Dwight Schrute on The Office, whether you're looking at cartoons that are on Adult Swim, whether you're looking at Tom Hanks um, running and running and running and running and then somebody hands him a t-shirt like, I need an idea and he wipes it and it's a smiley face. I think all of this stuff is they're mocking what they do when they peel faces. And the reason they peel faces, this frazzle drip, the whole frazzle drip thing is that Hillary peeled off somebody's face and put it on her face in front of them because then it induces fear, a fear like you've never had with a pain threshold like you've never been in. And then they want that fear. If it's just energy that the demon wants, cool. There also is really something called adrenochrome that people think is fake out there. Um, they want these things. And so Frazzle Drip and Pizzagate and Pizza Face and peeling cheese off pizza seems like it all is hand in hand, in my opinion.
I've also, because of the spiders, think a pepperoni pizza does look like the moon face. I think it's an interesting disc-shaped thing that we keep going through this disc and globe, disc and globe, disc and globe. Um, there's a lot of other things that maybe we could get into. I think the symbolism of double Z in anything is interesting when you don't need the double Z. It almost gets into two lightning bolts with me. Uh, it almost gets into an SS symbolism with me. And I don't think everything is quote unquote SS equals Nazi. I think there's something that created the SS before we even had the term Nazi. Like it's not even an SS. It's almost like I wonder if this lightning bolt, lightning bolt on things or this zigzag, zigzag on things marked a certain kind of group, nefarious group throughout time. And so when the SS of the Nazis comes over to America and becomes RSS, our secret service, it's curious to me who's really running the show. And right away, I'm just going to throw out there, like when I think of a lightning bolt, I think of uh, Zeus. He had a the single bolt because then his brothers, Hades, I think, had a Bident, which I think is funny, the Biden of it all, the Bident too. And uh, Poseidon um, had three, the Trident. So Zeus with the single lightning bolt and then the double single lightning bolt, like God, God, is it two Zeus? Is it double Zeus? I don't know. I'm just throwing all this out there because maybe somebody smarter than me will send me an email at projectchaney at gmail.com and have all the answers. Or maybe they will find me on Instagram at Chaney and Wonderland or Project Chaney, or they will find me on Twitter at Chaney Project or uh, Project Chaney, or my favorite, just because I like to say at Chaney on truth. You can also write me there. Um, yeah, I think that is my pizza gate discussion that I did not anticipate getting into at all. Before I introduce Chance, <laughs> I um, need to get this episode out, though. And I usually find that the more that I talk, the more opportunity there is for me to not like it. And um, hmm, what else weird do I want to talk about on this list of weird stuff? Okay, this is where I'm going to end it. This is how weird it's going to get. Poor Chance. You guys, Michael Jackson was framed. I don't know how many times I have to say it on this show. If that triggers you right now, bring it up to me and let's talk about it. I almost want to talk about Michael Jackson in the Telegram chat room and really get into MJ, really get into what I think about Sony, really get into what I think about Wade Robinson, really get into what I think about Motown, really get into um, what I even think about all the allegations against him. It's curious to me. And, um, ooh, yeah. All right. With that huge Zeus crack of lightning and the topic of Michael Jackson, um, that was the universe telling me, do not ruin this. Just let chance come on and you guys uh, bullshit around and talk about some fantasyful ideas and symbols and myths and legends and let everybody have fun. Don't ruin it with Michael Jackson pedophilia talk right now. And so I'm going to heed the advice from Zeus right now 
I don't need the double lightning bolt. One was enough. And I do think I said enough about Interverse. I think I said enough about Chance. And I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I have a few more to put out. Maybe I will be doing soon, them sooner than later. I'm not going to promise anything because, man, the shadow work of me telling you guys when I'm going to be back and then not getting back and then the energy I put on myself about it is a lot. But I'm only here with the best intentions always. I hope you can feel the energy through the microphone. I hope you're enjoying your drive. I hope you're enjoying your chores. I hope your day at work is going by faster. If you're falling asleep right now listening to my voice, I don't even mind it. It touches my heart that I comfort you enough that you could fall asleep. And um, if you're listening for the first time and you're from the Interverse family, thank you uh, for checking out Project Cheney. And I have a lot of other fun guests. You should check them out too. And this is episode 41. And uh, yeah, I don't know what number I'm going to start season two at, but it's getting closer. So thank you guys for bearing with me this long. Thank you guys if you've listened to every episode for chilling out hundreds of hours with me. And um, if you make it to the end of this uh, episode, maybe I will... uh, No, I won't. I'm not even going to promise you that. I'm just going to finish this episode and get it out to you. Okay. Enough's enough. I have to let this go. It's like you guys are about to board an airplane and I don't want our visit to end. But I really don't have anything to say and I'm just going to stare at you awkwardly and eventually the comfortable silence is going to become uncomfortable silence and... Then I'll start judging myself and what I might look like to you. And then it becomes all about me and I just ruin the experience. There is the second bolt that I got. So I hope you guys enjoy Chance. Talk soon. Hey, everyone. Welcome Chance Garten from the Interverse podcast to Project Cheney. I'm excited to have him here today because he is one of the few people out there who geeks out on topics like the moon and Diana and Mary and the placenta and the cosmic egg and all this stuff we're going to talk about today. And I know even saying that you're probably like ching, 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 a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) So Chance, welcome to Project Cheney. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And that's one of the things I like about you too. You connect many of the dots that I find sparkliest and interestingest or most morbidly fascinating one or the other. You are, I think your brain and the actual stuff you know is what everyone assumes I know. Like (laughs) people send me books and stuff that is so far past my grade that I'm just like, I think you need to send this to chance. (laughs) I don't know. I I would say that uh, I'm, I'm a human being and I'm swimming in these deep waters of mystic madness myself, just keeping my head afloat. I have recently made some big upgrades in my ability to frame all this, what I have been referring to as ophiolatry, which is the worship and deification of serpents. I think that a lot of the topics that you just rattled off, (laughs) pun intended, actually 
do connect into this larger framework of ophiolatry and how that is actually kind of all about helio worship. So I did, uh, I did Dylan Sicosio's July's End book mm-hmm. as an audiobook. I, I did the narration and having to read over that stuff over and over again, I did learn about a lot of variations of the goddess that are lesser known, fascinating stuff. And still though, I, I have a long way to go. I'm, this I'm not word, writing a though, book like that yet. Already. Say it again. Ophiolatry. Ophiolatry. It's like the o- idolatry of o- the Ophis. Ophis. What's the snake serpent and the 13th zodiac sign that I can never say? And now because you said Ophiology, I'm like, this is not going to become a new word. And is it? It needs to be. Yeah. Uh, of- Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus. Ophiology. Ophiuchus. This might help me. Yeah, because uh, Ophis is serpent in Greek. Oh, okay. One of the words for it. So if we were going to start with serpent worship, um, should we should we start with Venus? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's just start with you. Before we get into all that, how did you get interested in this stuff? I don't know. It's a slippery slope, right? <laughs> were you into comics? Yes, that's a good that's a good tangent. Uh, I got the Spider-Man. I mean, this is not a video show, but I got... The, I knew I belonged on Weaving Spiders Welcome because I have a Spider-Man tattoo on my forearm. Is that your favorite superhero? <laughs> oh, yeah. If we're going with mainstream superheroes, no doubt. Why? Always been. That's a good question. I just think his powers seem like the most fun. And I like his quips. And um, maybe I identify with like the uh, sort of, he's not much of a, he's not really been corrupted into an anti-hero the way that a lot of them have. He's not dark like Batman. In the '90s, uh, the '90s cartoon actually mm-hmm. that I grew up on, I didn't realize it till later. But he actually never physically assaults anybody in the whole cartoon. He just subdues them. He doesn't like throw any punches or kicks. He's not even aiming to hurt people, uh, even the bad guys. Mm-hmm. He just webs them up or tackles them and stops them from doing what they're doing. Never really thought about that, but that might be likely to be my style. I'd, you know, I don't like want to hurt real anybody. Martial artist. Yeah, exactly. So so proficient, he doesn't even need to damage them. He can take care of the whole situation without harming anybody. That is kind of, that would be a cool uh, superpower that no one thinks of with strength. To have real strength or real power would mean you wouldn't, even real speed or any of these things we take from superhero lore. If you really had it, why would you ever need to harm anyone? Yeah, exactly. That yeah, like otherwise it's just an abuse of power in some ways. Yeah, good point. So you were always, were you into mythology as a kid? Uh, um, Maybe not so much as a kid. I always thought it was an interesting subject in high school or whatever, the little bit of it I got. Not not really giving you more than the surface level stories. And weren't they so silly that they believed all this was true back then? And now it's like a whole different thing. I was just listening to Gabriel's recent videos, uh, Slick Dissident, on Perseus and... Shout out Gabriel. His work is fantastic. And he's proven, I mean, that's one that I hadn't looked closer at. I haven't thought about the ins and outs of that tale and the slaying of the Gorgon and all that. But he really ties it all together with the sun's journey through the ecliptic, which is what all these sons of God or sun gods are all about. And he's the son of Zeus. He's Perseus, 
per Zeus, basically. Mm-hmm. And per means through or from in Latin. So he's from Zeus, basically. And he's one of Zeus's illicit children. So all of that is a really good, a really, really good series Gabriel just did. He goes through each of the car, the stations of the Zodiac as he reads you the basic mythology of Perseus. And it's pretty awesome. It's kind of great. Did you start out the weaving spiders with all them? Were you one of the OG spiders? No, I think I came in around somewhere in the 40s and maybe a little earlier than that. And uh, wasn't there all the time, but as I got more and more magnetized to that group and the current, the current regulars, we have an awesome rapport. It's kind of psychic how able we are to get into the things we do without stepping on each other's toes. And the rhythm is like If you guys haven't checked out Weaving Spiders, I talk about it in my intros all the time. And you're actually kind of like the first member of the Weaving Spiders that I've had on, but I plan on having everyone eventually. Um, And one thing that I love so much about it is it reminds me of like a college philosophy class where there isn't any wrong answers. And then somewhere by the end, everything we said, no matter how funny or no matter how deep or no matter how dark or how light, all gets tied together by the end. And it's really... um, you, you almost have to stay for the whole ride to get it. Cause at the beginning, it just seems like scattered pieces everywhere, but it always comes together. The weaves. <laughs> it's, it's like that. It, and very little planning. Sometimes we go into it with an idea like the, the lost weave episode 63, the YouTube band because of too much uh, screen share of something copyrighted, I guess that one, we went in with the plan to talk about Rasputin, and that was interesting because we were able to demonstrate and someday that'll get released somewhere. I've been bugging Jim to let me put it on my Rockfin or Odyssey. But so in that conversation, we were able to demonstrate that even his, his so-called historical characters like Rasputin encode all the same stuff like an Osiris, like a sun god. Mm-hmm. And even in the name, uh, just like a quick taste of that, Rasputin, it's Ra's Putin and Ra's the sun and Putin in Russian, the etymological origin of that word, there's multiple things that word could mean. But when I dug into it, I found that the origin of that in, in Russian means the way or the path. So it's the path of Ra. It's the way of Ra. Ra's Putin. Or <laughs> if it, it, even if just put in, put in the sun, put in Ra. It's like put in everything. So it's like <laughs> even in this like very simple spell of breakdown, it's just like, huh. They so are, good. They are rawing us. They are sun godding us in everything. Yeah, and they it's the helio hex, man. And they even have supposedly Rasputin's dong in a museum somewhere because he was dismembered and his uh member cut off. And that's so Osiris, right? The missing phallus. Mm-hmm. Totally. And um what uh with the sun, so you have the whole raw, the whole sun, the helios of it, and then the moon's on the other side. If the the moon's always the serpent, the lady's the serpent, right? Actually, it all gets interchanged and, and bunched up it, because the, it's the daemon of many names, you'd call it. This is the soul invictus, the, mm-hmm. the lone one, and it is the mo- mother, father, and son in one. So all the symbolism of sun and moon and earth and even the other luminaries, Mars, Venus, Saturn, it's all actually rolled up and conflated together 
the further back you go. I mean, just the very idea that Saturn or Kronos is as the planet that we see in the night sky is the one that's the timekeeper is kind of ridiculous because why would you use something that takes almost 30 years to do one cycle as your timekeeper? It's going to be very difficult. The sun makes a lot more sense as a timekeeper. Yeah, totally. And isn't there some religions that think Saturn was a sun? Like it's an actual pew and turned off. Isn't there some Uh, schools of thought that think that? Velikovsky gets into that, that he thinks that he's found evidence for that in the, in the mythology. I actually have thoughts on that, but they go more into the uh, like flat earth, cosmic egg world tree zone. And that, I always just thought it was weird with my naked eye that more planets didn't have, if everything they said was true about the space model, the NASA model, doesn't it make sense that Earth would have a blue ring around it? Just of water a little bit that would come off around it as we spin because we're a water planet and there would be like moisture that gathered in this like <laughs> ring around us. Like if the idea that you look and only like see that. one ring out of all the moons and planets and everything is insane. Yeah, it's all of it is a pretty silly when you just try to puzzle out in your mind and imagine what we're told from NASA as real. <laughs> like just the the fact that we have an atmosphere next to a vacuum according to them with no barrier between them that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's so space balls. <laughs> it's so like turn on a vacuum, the vacuum of space. I even, it irritates me the word space that they use to describe space. It's so, it's so vague of them to just be like, well, what's out there? Space. It's- yeah. And it, in the uh, older versions of cosmology, that was a C. That was, mm-hmm. you know, and to get back to talking about venus or marine venus the virgin mary mare means sea so it wasn't just the ocean it wasn't as above so below idea that everything like really when you look at the ocean everything could be found there like every biotechnology if you will every adaptation of life has existed in the ocean in some form every shape every geometry every form of bioluminescence it's all in the ocean and it's still there. It's like this big vault. So to think that the as above realm was a, also a sea, you know, and who wants to rule over all of that? The bishop sea, the episcopacy, mm-hmm. the holy sea. They use that word for a reason, even though it's S-E-E to them. Mara time, yeah. Mary time law. Yeah. And that word, that, that mar relating to the ocean or the sea, that goes across cultures like just because we can't read their kanji, it's astounding how many words have phonetic links, at least in the important and mythologically relevant words between Western languages and Japanese, for example. To me, I see all the evidence in the world to suggest that that suggests that like, that was part of a unified world culture as well. There's even like, you know, uh, architecture in Japan that is hardly explained, that looks just like your Greco-Roman stuff that's all around North America that has poorly explained origins as well. Usually it was just founded a certain year, which I think means found dead. You know? Yeah, I almost wonder too, like places that we're not allowed to go that they tell us are these like North Korea 
or you take, you know, we all can talk about like how, what they potentially could have destroyed in Iran and Iraq going into those desert storms and doing that kind of stuff. But there's all these CIA operations or dark government, shadow government operations like in North Korea. Historically for humans, what happened there that they won't let us in there? And then they blanket it with these kind of ideas of like, oh, it's a scary dictator. Oh, he's shooting missiles into the ocean. Oh, everyone's too scared to go to North Korea. It's like, oh, and they kind of give us this idea of a place we're never allowed to go. Maybe Afghanistan would be another example of or Cuba would be another example. There's these certain places on the planet that I'm just curious. Um, Antarctica. Like, why aren't we allowed in these places? What are they an opening to? Or what are you hiding from us there? North Pole, too. Yeah, Yeah, it's very suspicious that every country with a military presence has an accord to keep everyone else out of the North Pole or Mm -hmm. what they call the North Pole. And you look at the ancient maps of that world or that part of the world and you have an entire continent taking up that region with four rivers coming out of it that are almost like the perfect Tau Cross. Yeah, totally. Who knows? And, and and then you're thinking like waters below, waters above, waters below. If it was just the sea, like imagine an infinite amount of fresh water, the same as an infinite amount of diamonds, the same as an infinite amount of oil. What if this planet just made certain things, but the second they can reserve them and hold them and hoard them, then they charge us some sort of currency for them. So it's I think just, you, I think that's accurate because I. I find it foolish to look at anything in the realm as dead at all or as non-living, I guess, inanimate. To me, all of it is living and oil could very well be like blood. Mm. It seems to replenish itself. And that's just one thing. And if you were to take that, you can only take so much blood out of yourself before you get tired. But your body, your tiny little human body can just rejuvenate blood. Like if I wanted to, like this is what they always say about the elite. Like, yeah, adrenochrome could be a thing, but you could just be getting blood transfusions of kids every single day. If you did that, you would live to like you were 200 years old. Like if you just got new blood platelets put inside your body, new oxygenated blood and like a scientific way that you can prove this is like happening is Lance Armstrong. It wasn't just about um, (laughs) blood doping. Yes, it (laughs) it wasn't just about doping. He was oxygenating his blood and then putting his own blood in himself after he just, you know, rode two days and tour to France. He was putting very fresh blood of himself inside himself of his old blood. So just those ideas, if the elite have known this, stuff forever it would be so simple for me that they would even yeah they could steal kids or they could just keep a cooler of their own kid blood like if i could have cheney as a child's blood put in cheney now what what could they do to themselves that make that would make way more sense it's way more ouroboros of them too if it's their own blood and they think we're disgusting they think they're elite they why would they want our blood in them they would rather elite blood. They marry their kin. They want to keep it all in the family. They think they're divine. They're God kings, you know? Yeah, they think they're descended from the angelic sailors. And when you talk about the nobility, that's something that's encoded left and right with the idea of the UFO or the uh, the seraphim, if you will, the the serpents that fly above that are, I guess, like the sort of a step above full-on fallen angels. Anyway, you have the word noble, which is 
let's see. Let's let's back up. Okay, what we're always trying to dig into is classified material, right? So let's look at the word classified. It comes from the Latin classis, which has multiple meanings. It can represent stratifications of society, the upper and the lower classes. The it comes from it, ha, it has the idea of uh, different grades of vessel, like seafaring vessel, or possibly the seas above type of vessel. Mm-hmm. It gives you the idea of classified, something hidden or secret. It gives you the classics, which is the canon of information. And in the classical canon is where the classified information is encoded for those who are of the right class to be able to interpret it. It's all in, in the Renaissance painting, in you know everything from Dante's Inferno to the Iliad. All of that stuff is encoding classified information with a surface level narrative or a pretty picture. So the noble class is that word actually noble also connects to the word naval and the naval interestingly enough represents the connection to source or to your creator it's the belly button but also the navel of the world would be the north pole because the way that at least from our perspective when we look at the sky everything revolves around polaris and polaris is the throne it's the stationary point even north is an anagram for throne. You, um, I think it was you. Uh, I heard it and I just thought it was such a great saying on Weaving Spiders last week that you guys were talking about the compass and north. And you said, true north, north is always in and south is always out. I think I said, um, say, yeah, up, say it, it again. <laughs> in is up and out is down. Okay, maybe that's what. Yeah, maybe that's what you said. And so you. <laughs> that's kind of like, how I think of it. Like the in the inner world is the ascent. Say it one Ascension more time because I messed it all up. <laughs> uh, in is up and out is down. Something like that is probably what I said. Yeah, and I kind of like that. We were though. talking about ascension, and a lot of what we see is just a repeat of the same ascension cult in different clothes over and over again. Which it always involves an external ascension, which is an inversion. In my opinion, you guys were discussing the compass a little bit too, and maybe even um, the north on a compass, which is really the only direction, which we just call it a north, but really it's just an arrow pointing somewhere. And if you were to follow that compass all the way somewhere, it would lead you to the same place you're talking about in the North Pole (laughs) with the cross. It would eventually lead you to the place we're not allowed to go. So what's pulling that compass there? They call it magnetic, like Mary Magdalene. Or mage. But we just yeah. put a J instead of a G sometimes, but it's all the same word of mag, maga, magnet, yeah. mage. Yeah, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, thought something. And that's what they use as a seafarer. You know, you need that compass on the sea. Or um, ship, vessel, citizenship. They always put these ship words on the end of everything because we're all under this maritime law. Absolutely. Even, even now. Do you get down with um, the United States was taking over maritime law somewhere? Are you one of those people? Uh, I couldn't maybe like give the you a timeline. Of but... The United States kind of separate from the United States making you used to be an American. Now you're a U.S. citizen. Oh, yeah. All that difference? is all that is very evident. And you think but that... my question is, was 
was there actually a time before where any of the, the positive things we think about the origin of the country were true? Or was there a type of reset around the age of Abraham Lincoln and what we got was a mythology prior to that? Because in a big war, you know, you kill almost everybody and people aren't that literate anyway. Pretty easy to replace the whole history at that point. People go through that idea, too, of you look at photos of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and there's a lot of kids doing labor. And they wouldn't necessarily need to reset the entire world at once. Only now, because we're all attached by the same technologies, would they have to do the reset all at once. And it didn't quite work. But there's probably a ton of truth that they've reset populations and uh, countries, even just in our lifetime. They do it piecemeal. I don't think it happens all at once. Mm -hmm. I agree. That seems to be evident, too. But I because think, when, yeah, this is a, and it was easier before this age because there was the distance gap and the language gap made it very simple to just knock down one particular country, replace the whole history with a new language as well, and tell the outside world whatever story you want. Do you think somewhere they didn't expect like computer kids to figure out all this graphics and CGI as quick as they did and even get the vision for it as quick as they did? And maybe even looking back at some of the old photos and stuff with what we know now of CGI, we're like, oh, my gosh, they've been doing this kind of weird graphic stuff to us for a long time. Like we're at yeah. this age that they're just kind of doing it now because of computers, but they were photo editing and blending and doing so much shit that is in our head as real histor- historic photos. But you ever if you check out Michelle Gibson? No, I don't know who that is. Well, you know, John Levi, John mm-hmm. Levy. Okay. Well, both of those are both really good researchers into that whole topic where they look at old photographs. They look at ancient architecture. They compare the historical narrative to, you know, they can of of a place or of a an artifact or of a building. They compare that historical uh, evidence or narrative to what you can see with your eyes and what common sense would suggest, and everything just constantly falls apart. Every every capital building, the story makes no sense, and so many of the places that were destroyed by fire and things like that at the same time. But what you're saying is absolutely true. I have seen countless photos that are clearly doctored from. Um, long time ago. And I actually suspect that photography is older than we're told by a great deal. So that gives us the possibility that some of the photos that we're given as construction photos for something does not necessarily mean that that's the date that it was actually built when what we're told. Right. Yeah. It would uh, be- but as to your question about the, about the, if they didn't think we'd figure catch yeah. on to the, the modifications and the image based manipulation I think maybe not. Maybe they didn't expect us to catch wise or maybe there's something about the actual human developmental cycle in conjunction with nature and its cycles that like in this Aquarian Uranian evolution of the time we're in right now, where it really, they maybe knew this just theory. They maybe knew that all that this type of thing, this maybe couldn't tell what type of technology but they maybe knew that some kind of technological advancement beyond uh, easily imagined was coming and it was going to bring interconnection and information transfer in new ways. And so their idea was to build the tools to get 
to try to build the tools themselves, knowing that this was coming either way so that they could maybe get ahead of it and have control of the means of production. But as things moved on, eventually, you know, we got, we got the tools too, because it was just the natural progression of the turning of the ages, something that's out of their control. I really think that the, the, they, which yeah. Gabriel slick distant calls the hierarchy evacuating you. That's what they <laughs> I always for. say like the elite, but I just like the L of it all. Pretty much anything with the EL at the beginning. I'm like, Oh, I can break this down. The, the L lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to get into that. Let's talk, let's make a few points about that. But um, I think that they don't really have the, they doesn't really have the power that they show with the whole wizard of Oz smoke and mirrors. It's more about a knowledge differential. And that knowledge differential is almost entirely invested in knowledge of nature and its cycles and what time it really is. And that gives some some great power over everyone else for sure. But like the nukes and the <laughs> mind control and, and all the things. Super computers and all, all quantum Quantum computers, computers yeah. yeah. Like all that bullshit. I'm just like, sure. I'll believe it when I see it. It's the same like matchstick houses being blown away and then being like, we created a nuclear bomb. Everybody be scared. And I'm like, that's the exact same thing as the moon landing. There's no difference of that matchstick house going in the moon landing being, yay. Really, you're just telling every person on the planet, I can get a rocket there if I want to. There's no difference of Nixon in the moon landing and Kim Jong-un shooting a rocket into the Pacific on the news. Those are the exact same... uh, engage engagements of war that we're just letting everybody know how big my rocket is (laughs) the the more the more you see through uh all of this the more the crown becomes the clown it really is is it's hilarious like it becomes less scary and more funny and you and even come to realize at least in my opinion that there's something about the polarity of existence that requires a boogeyman to always be part of what you're perceiving at any moment. There's always boogeyman somewhere. But if you realize that that's actually like a cosmic prank, it's a wink and a nudge and a giggle from source to show you a reflection of your own darkness so that you can learn to shine light into your own inner reaches to change that darkness into something life affirming because every conspiracy and every thing that they do when you get down to it, the only use that it has in our life to know about this stuff is like, well, what can I do different? Oh, they're poisoning all the food. Okay, I got to eat different, you know, things like that. So do you think that's how I feel about I, it? I hear some people say that, well, if you're not privy to it, like this stuff can't hurt you. Like if you're not privy to the Super Bowl being a ritual, it can't hurt you. If you're not privy to the yeah, movie. Yeah, that's not correct at all. <laughs> I don't think so either. I, I hear this and I don't want to put a blanket term on Christians because I actually, every single religion I think is beautiful in its own right. I don't, I'm not one of those people that tear down people's schools of thought. This being said, Christians, a lot of the time I hear them say, well, I'm protected in Christ and yada, yada, and go on about their day, listening to their music, watching their movies, doing weird rituals they're taking part in, totally unaware. And they just are blanket that they're divinely protected. And I feel like some of those people are having hangers on, energetic hangers on, and they're not aware of it because they're just naive that they think they're divinely protected. And I I believe, I'll, I'll not put it on you, I believe it's like when you go through the ritual of your prayer, you can thank things and you can ask for things, 
But unless you're specific about asking in that prayer to have an energy cleanse of you or have these hangers on of you or go through, then those things are on you. Like you're just being ridden by energies. And I think so many people are so unaware. They're like, what you don't know can't hurt you. And I'm like, no, this is what I think the elite have over us is they know how important our rituals, our time, our attention, our energy all is. And especially under those stars and those moons at specific times for however many thousands of years it's been doing it, they know precisely all this stuff. And so they use all of us as these tiny little batteries to run through their rituals and somewhere they're like absorbing it like crazy, you know, superheroes. Somewhere there's a demon on them that gets to ride on this energy. Yeah, the way that I have exp- like uh, <clears throat> understood demonic attachment and possession is that because the reality is fractal, I think this is a way of explaining it that anybody that's got a demon attachment, their demon has a demon and that demon has a demon riding it. And it's just like this big infinite piggyback of uh, demons all the way down, you know? And what you say, I think is accurate. I was actually just reading a book about a guy who was, uh, I guess kind of an anthropologist researching energy medicine in South America. And in his early days of doing that, uh, before he went to South America, he got sent to Haiti and he was talking to like a colleague there about how like, you know, voodoo can only affect you if you believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, it'll have no effect on you. And the guy's like, I bet you a hundred bucks. And, <laughs> and they went to uh, a like a brujo type guy that the his friend knew. And the guy's like, okay, when you get back to California on uh, on Tuesday, watch out because I'm going to hit you with some shit. I won't kill you or anything, but you're going to know that I did this. The the black magic guy did. And he went back home. He bragged to all his friends and family that it wouldn't work on him because he was immune because he didn't believe in it. And Tuesday rolled around, nothing happened. And he's like, ha, I win. But then Thursday, he was bedridden and almost like felt like he was going to die. And his friend called him up from Haiti and was like, hey, uh, we couldn't do the ceremony on Tuesday. Something came up, so we did it today. How you feeling, buddy? <laughs> He's like, make it stop. Make it stop. And then he even decided, I must have got like a parasite or something. And he went to the hospital and, you know, everything checked out clean. And the next day it all stopped when they said that they're going to stop whatever ritual. So, you know, I think um, we have a very woefully incomplete knowledge of energetics, and that is something I'm fascinated in. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I dabble as a technician in people's aura with sound healing using tuning forks. And I prefer that method because it's, it's kind of, um, it's very, what's the word? Metho- yeah, methodical. There's a rhyme and reason to it. There's an anatomy that I can follow. There's a map that I've got. I'm not just in there like waving my fingers and like, woo, now you're fine. And I'm not, it's kind of touchless in a way because I'm using this tool. So ideally I'm not picking up as much off of them and I'm not transferring as much to them with the way this modality works. It's kind of like a signaling system using the tuning forks to help. I, I pinpoint where there's an issue in the aura and then their body gets the signal from me and then their body takes care of it based on the, you know, the signal that I'm giving back to it using the forks. And 
I'm not doing any energy work myself. I'm not projecting anything. I'm not channeling anything. I'm just holding this fork and listening to it and moving it and react and like dealing with how the fork reacts. So I really like that modality. <laughs> it feels, it feels safer in a way. And I've had at least up to this point doing it for about a year, only good reactions, uh, only good things have come of it. Now, whether or not somebody kept up their end of the the changes and, and stayed healed, so to speak, that at least in one case I know of that didn't really work out. And it was an extreme demonic attachment case, but hint, hint, it's opiates <laughs> that come into the picture with that one. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, uh, I think that's a big part of it is the substances that they've got so many people on. Why do you think they name all the, the damn pharmaceutical drugs themselves, especially the ones in the psychiatric field, literally sound like the name of demons, like Zizol or something, you know? <laughs> and isn't pharmacia, isn't that whole something like easily looked up that it is? Witchcraft, sorcery. Yeah. Already, the, do you it's believe the, in magic? It's the combination. Basically, it's the unnatural combination of elements that nature would not combine together on its own that makes it so destructive. And alchemy, as I understand it, and spagyrics is a different form of medicine, is more about taking something that does exist in nature and exalting it so that you make the process that it was going to do anyway the utmost efficiency that it could be. So you're not doing something nature wouldn't do. You're helping nature do what it's trying to do. Whereas pharmacia is like, let's strip out the active ingredients of these different plants and turn them into just basic chemicals and synthesize and refine them and then combine them in an unholy mixture and give you that for your wart or whatever. (laughs) It gets ugly. Do you believe in magic? Do I believe in magic? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no choice really. (laughs) I know a lot of people where they don't consider alchemy. Alchemy is kind of like more of a scientific way. And then magic is more of an unexplainable way. I'll tell you what made me believe in magic more than anything. It was several years back. I'd kind of like got involved in a reboundy way with a very sketchy chick who was on probably some hardcore prescriptions and I didn't really know it. We had a couple of weeks of interacting and then I realized how batshit she was and I distanced myself from her and I had nothing to do with her for like six months. But in the time that we had been seeing each other, I'd bought both of us tickets to a concert Uh, And that concert was not till the new year. So it was way off in the future. And I had basically been experiencing psychic attack from this chick six months, like for six months, even after I had not spoken to her, she hadn't contacted me. I hadn't contacted her, but she was always just skirting around the edges of my periphery of my awareness in the sense of like people, other people that I would interact with would constantly be like having problems with her or hearing about problems with her. It's just like all the time, she would get brought back into my awareness, even though I wasn't willing or interested in that. And she started kind of messing with the the next woman that I was seeing in a, you know, a gaslighting way. And at that point I decided to sit down and do a ceremony of severance of whatever cords may still attach the two of us. And I, I sat down, I did this meditation. I burned these candles. Don't even remember exactly what the ritual or ceremony consisted of. And I'm not a ritual magic guy. Before or since, I haven't done much of that. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it felt like a break glass in case of emergency type solution. 
So I go through this brief ritual, probably only took me 15 or 20 minutes. And as soon as I stand up from this experience of this ritual, my phone goes off in the other room and I go over to it. And it's this chick who has not texted me or called me or contacted me directly, just gaslighting through other people for months. She hadn't texted me that very moment that I finished the severance ritual and uh, gave me, sent me back the tickets, the link to the tickets that I bought for her that she still had to that concert. So the item that I'd given her that she still possessed was returned to me, breaking the link. And Possession. Think of that even word if yeah, you want to talk about it spiritually. And then there was no more gaslighting from that point either. It was like I, I fully withdrew my consent and I closed the door. I cut the cords, whatever you want to say. And, it, and that, I'm sure, counts as magic, right? Yeah, I believe in that. I think sometimes with cord cutting and these kind of rituals or even intentions, I don't think it's necessarily so important that you follow anyone's ritual. You can really just go through your own as long as you're present. But there are other people out there that have had experience doing ones that you can find too or somebody that you trust. But there are people that believe in certain religions that are having attachments from things they don't believe in and the only way they can get done with these things is by doing something that they feel like oh um, but my priest told me I'm never allowed to do this or my rabbi told me I'm never allowed to do this and it's like somebody in your life is putting a governor on you but evil doesn't give a shit about whatever governor you have on yourself like whatever governor that your your mom or dad or your partner or whatever tells you like or even your whatever your spiritual advisor like somewhere in you you have the instrument to do this like it's just I think people are messing in things they don't know all the time like you I always hear people like oh, I played with a Ouija board when I was a kid yep that can do it but I think just as simple as you're for real watching a Super Bowl halftime show I think that can do it or you just have one <laughs> too much to drink that you black out that can do it or oh, I, and they call it spirits for a reason yeah I just think there there's... are there are, like there are non-physical entities that just hang around the bar waiting for somebody to lose consciousness so they can jump in Sex. and why do you think you can why do you think you can uh, be completely blacked out and have zero consciousness yet you're still up and walking around and doing insane shit mm -hmm. it's not you driving but I want to just like it's hard to describe a meme in audio, so I apologize for doing this. But I just want to point out a hilarious meme I saw the other day. I think it was on Jim's meme bank on Telegram. Jim Maiden has a good meme channel, and it's that classic meme of the anime character like seeing a butterfly, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, and he's labeled as a west a westerner after their first spiritual experience, and he's saying, "Oh, look at this! Is it a career?" <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's always they're like learn the secret learn how to do all this stuff and the first thing i want a million dollars i want a new car it's like what <laughs> these are the things that we um are partially mixed that's why i'm like they're giving us like here let's just throw them the secret let's just give a manifestation let's just put it in the pop culture but then we get this thing and now we're all practicing black magic because we have no idea this tool that we're using to manifest is only for this very selfish financial thing. And that's what a majority of the people, because the whole school of the secret is them just sitting there and like sit and drive your fake car. This is what it feels like to drive your Lamborghini. And it's just like they build this whole thing around this financial Western idea. 
So it's it happens often where they take these old ideas and they Americanize them. Um, but even through that filter, I guess Americanization goes out to the rest of the world. And but it's like love attraction later. cult. Yeah, we are the country that if you were the aliens, you'd be watching. <laughs> it's so bizarre here. I even yeah, I wonder. I, I don't even know how much that we're getting from the outside world is true anymore. You know, like oh, our, I've wondered internet, forever. Yeah, that's what you, when you're talking about North Korea and other countries, I'm just like, yeah, for all we know, for all we know, all the information is so filtered. But I do have, you know, I think maybe this would apply to the crown countries, too, that they're probably getting the same type of feed as us, if nothing else. Because I do correspond with people that are the- theoretically in Australia and England. and Isn't that kind of, um, I was Canada. talking to my Maria about this last night we get compared a lot to like in Australia like they'll be like the United States Australia or the United States Canada but if you take either of those countries they have less population than just California it's it's weird that we're 50 states and we get compared to one country that doesn't even have the population of 150th of our country and 150th an idea of our country when if really you were to look at all of Canada as a whole, just all of Canada. There might be a little different ideas. There's some metropolitan areas, but all of Canada. Good God, I just looked it up. Canada's only got 38 million people. What the? F- I thought they had more because it's such a big spot. No, and that's what I mean. The perception of the what they compare the United States to. And then even as Americans, how how can you in California have any idea what I need to live in Florida? And that being said, how can either of us have an idea of what the person in North Dakota needs? Whereas if you take Canada as a whole, overall, pretty similar weather, mostly similar terrain. Yeah, they have a metropolitan area and they have farmland, but take every part of the world, every part of the whole world, we got that in America. But we're always comparing ourselves to every other country. But we're really the only country that has all these ideals, all these religions, all these types of people everywhere else in the world all shoved in this country with 50 United States. So it's just crazy to me when like even the idea when you were like Queens countries. What are we talking about Trudeau for if you're really still run by the Queen? If you're trying to get Trudeau, isn't your whole entire idea already screwy? Because you're pulling out a guy that has no power. He's just a prime minister face of your country. The same as, the, the, but the queen still runs shit. He's just the face. So you can pull him out and then you feel okay, but you're still the queen's land. So aren't you mad at just a, a fucking puppet and you know it? Clap your hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm confused, but isn't it the same for Australia or a lot of the islands of the Caribbean? You would, Yeah, the real solution would require... Not petitioning to the puppet for relief from their austerities, but instead an entirely restructured society would be what you wanted to go for. At least that's what I would think if I was one of them, one of them Canadians with the truckers. Although I do love what they're doing. It seems like that's going quite well in terms of not going awry. You know, they're very polite up there and they're feeding homeless people and cleaning stuff up and, it's been over 10 days and nobody's died. All good stuff. Good for them. Yeah, I think it's um, it's all awesome. I just really want everyone to 
hold their line when it comes to them because I know how quickly everyone backs you and then calls you an insurrectionist domestic terrorist in less than 365 days. The same people (laughs) that all backed you and said, I'm with you. I wish I could go to the Capitol are the same ones having podcasts talking about how it was such a psyop. I can't believe you went. And I'm like, really? You're actually one of the people that I have you on recording live on YouTube being like, I wish I could go. I'm there with you. So I feel like the same people with these truckers, none of the insurrectionists had your food. None of the insurrectionists had your water. None of the insurrectionists had your gasoline. So hold your power for the next couple of weeks and make sure you have food in your cupboard because I'm going to watch how quickly everyone's like, this was a psyop. And yeah, it's there's the already people. some of that be, being said, but I feel like that's the point. If we're going to make change, then everyone needs to kind of like feel it. So yeah. I'm not I'm not against that. But uh, yeah, what you say is true. And I think in both cases, January 6th, the, the tower day, 1-6, and what's going on right now up north i think in both cases probably if not initiated by ritual intent then at least co-opted but that doesn't mean that yeah it doesn't mean that the people that were involved knew what they were involved with or in the case of the canadian thing doesn't mean that there has to be any kind of it doesn't mean that they have to succeed with the the intent of the ritual I'm kind of like, instead of everything we've ever done good, they take and make it a PSYOP. How about this time and last time and just even the cue of it all? How about those PSYOPs that they created bad for us? How about we take them and we make them good? Like I like that. People just have to be prepared in their house. If you have your water and you're ready to not go to work for a week because the gas pumps are empty and you got enough food to feed your family so you can go bring all the truckers and so when they come home, you can cheer them on do that but don't sit like and um be like yeah we're all for this thing and then be the same person a week from now being like oh i knew it was all bullshit that's that's just what i hear in the podcasting realm so much is so many people that are like i knew it was bullshit but they've never left their basement yet to ever yeah. go take part in anything and they're just like i knew that was bullshit too and it's just like well continue to be no pilled Continue to not help at all, spiritually or physically. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I agree that that's a huge problem in the conspiratainment world is that that's all it is, is like who can who can be the most poo-poo on everything that exists ever and show you why everything sucks in every way. <laughs> I'm going to pick apart every religion. I'm going to pick apart every movement. I'm going to show you everything stupid. I'm going to show you everything's a psyop. I'm going to show you everything's... Well, good, cool. What are we living for then? What are you doing over there? Why am I going to keep listening to you? Like, if to me, it's a spiritual war and it has been since our birth. And so if we can't kind of come together on something bigger now with these microphones and ears and technology, and this is how I feel like we're polluting their system right now. Like none of this black mirror in front of us is supposed to exist in a way that's uh, divine. But because you're on the other end of it and I'm here and then all the people that listen to this, it's like we um, whatever the opposite of corrupt something is like whatever the opposite of rust something sanctify. Yeah, we sanctify it. (laughs) It becomes good. Yeah. The spiritual war side of it. I think that the key component, what we have on our side with all of this is that we can, yeah, we can spread like black pill information, but we can also share actionable intelligence on how to improve the integrity of the vessel you're walking around in that is the container for spirit. 
because that is how you that's how you fight the spiritual war the war has always been against you out there listening how to make you poison yourself how to make you hate yourself how to make you trip yourself up and shoot yourself in the foot in every which way so that you leak that light and life force energy out of the various puncture wounds that you've inflicted on yourself and the puncture wounds you've accepted from vampiric parasites on the outside that light leaking out and feeding the beast is what this whole thing has always been about so what we can do to help each other seal up these holes and become whole is the entire epitome of winning the spiritual battle because at that point the more that you can hold the life force energy within yourself in integrity without leaking the more of who you truly came here to be you remember who you were before you came here you remember and that's what it's all about that light is consciousness and the more light you have within that is not seeping through the holes that you have received the more you heal and seal Mm-hmm. the more you remember and the harder it is for anything to get past you or get in you because you're in this different level of awareness. And like, I I know for sure that that's a fact because everybody has a sine wave oscillation on health and on spiritual awareness of things. And you hit a level of flow and all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, I know this. And I know that. And I, I've known this before, but I forgot for like three years and then it all comes back and it's all when they say raise your vibration i think a, a a more accurate way to describe that concept is seal up the holes <laughs> you know I like that. Be- become a vessel that holds the light because that's what that's part of what all the imagery about vessels is implying is that we are vessels we we are a ship we are ferrying the light if you will do you um, think this is totally um, off topic and not really, though, I, it was, with the whole trucker thing, we know all the symbolism of animals throughout our culture and maybe even the eagle versus serpent of things. Is there any symbology that maybe we could like look at right now? Is there any symbology with geese or goose? throughout time this is like a big animal that's becoming the honk of the trucker movement but isn't the goose like something with diana as well um i think mercury had a goose or has something to do with swans um Mm -hmm. so i think that the i think maybe my best answer for that is the goose probably is related to the union of sulfur and mercury which is like sublimation uh, if that makes sense <laughs> in an alchemical setting. So to me, where I, where I see that apply to the trucker situation is that I do see there are people like arm and arm of different races or different vaccination statuses that are still all for the idea of open up the borders. And that makes, that is a very sort of mercurial thing since he's, travels you know he's the mm-hmm. god of travel so opening the borders and the goose is a powerful animal too mm-hmm. and they don't they don't fucking take any shit no they have, if you've, like, there is such a thing if you've as ever been chased food. by a goose then yeah. consider yourself lucky you'd be, you're better off running from a bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah they defend their their own really well so i don't know that's a good question about the goose i want to 
I also but think the it. honking because of um, I think it's really clever. I I love the just Canadians because I do think overall and the people I've met on this world, if I were going to just make a blanket statement of nationality, most of the Canadians I met are so nice. And I even love the like honk for us Canadian, don't you know? Like even the, the, <laughs> the signs that they're making for it are just so much sweeter than American protest signs. And I love the goose on everything. Like don't tread on me with the honk for the goose. And <laughs> F- uh, my favorite was a uh, fuka boot and find out. <laughs> I know. I, it had a goose I, on it. Yeah, I think I saw that one on Gramerica. <laughs> but I just, um, I, I almost like that it happened in Canada first, like somewhere a little sweeter, like I don't know, less brawny, maybe a little mix of something instead of it just being like, oh, all America showed up in Texas and a bunch of Texans are going to take over the world and yay, guns save the world. Like, nope. Peaceful protest is all that's ever been needed. It's all that's ever been needed. All you've ever had to do is say no for for 700 plus days. The same thing that's happening now is the same thing that could have happened. And I just think big semis are a big, huge um, way energetically for people to see how many of us there are. Yeah, especially in a such a low population density areas canada which i know now you're like I really shit. didn't like a tenth I of their population is protesting <laughs> yeah i'm so stoked for them i did do a quick like search for goose in the uh july's end book that i helped produce this year mm-hmm. the the narrated audiobook just because it's a it's really nice to have that at hand in the kindle e-reader and just type in a word and see what you get and so the uh Hebrew word for geese is barbarum, hmm. which is phonetically quite close to corn, which is bar, and uh, the Aramaic word for sun, which is bar. So there's some interesting linkage there that the the goose was in, was on Egyptian hieroglyphics a lot too. Uh, the bar is so close to the bear, bar and bear, and then you get the Ursa Major again. Oh yeah, which is where the whole Polaris is rotating or it's rotating around Polaris. It's like guarding it. Russian bear. Mother Russia. That seems to be the Russian of it all. Yeah. We're the eagle. It's like each country almost has its animal. And for some reason, if you think of Russia, it's the bear. I find it interesting. all, All the different examples there are where the, the word, like the word or the color red is in some way, associated with the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I wonder about that. Like Russia is Rus, you know, Rus means red. Rogue. Uh, Rouge. Rogue. Yeah. The, you know, the, they're, they're the rogues. MAGA hat of it all. Rogues like, are the bad guys. Evil. I'm so. trying to think of more examples off the top of my head. There was a day where I was like, Oh, this and this and this, and it all ties to red. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I know I've wondered with it too, even with the MAGA hat, because it was such a symbol. And I'm like, were they trying to root shocker our heads? Like, you know, or, you know, gut us in the head, like something about the red on the head, or are our shockers so messed up in everything that we've ever received that red on the head actually feels right 
and this is what we should be doing. So it's a demonization of that red on the head because it'd be so easy to call it a racist symbol how many years from now. It's like the Confederate flag. It's like anyone who has that on. It's almost crazy if we're going to draw characters. That red on the head is almost the exact same character you'd give Joe Rogan. It's almost the exact same character you'd give an Ottawa trucker. It's like there's one side. We have this this new Southern man being created for us, this new rebel, and it's all drawn in. And then the other side, we have this black woman liberal, this AOC, um, Kamala, you know, all that, that. that It's almost like they're... It, they're, the camps are becoming so obvious <laughs> to see for me. I don't even know. Yeah, where whole I've even started. seen like, um, you know, clearly agent provocateur type stuff at the Canadian truck photos or their rally or whatever. They've got people out there with U.S. Confederate flags. <laughs> and like, <laughs> how is that relevant to a Canadian in any way? I don't know. And they've got uh, I saw a couple of Nazi flags, both of which are red, interestingly. And it just flashed back in my mind that one of the uh, interesting things is that in like if you look at other languages, words for things, you get some information. You can see linkages like the uh, word for red in French is ghouls, hmm. which sounds like ghoul, but it's also very close to uh, very close to the Gauls. The Gaulish people were like the bad guys to the Roman Empire. So calling them the Gauls is kind of like calling them the Reds. Hmm. I find interesting. So they've been doing that for a long time. We've got to stop the reds. Huh, see goals. So then you got mer reds. And then the barbarians. There's bar again. The barbarians. Yeah. And that's got bear in it. Barbarians. <laughs> mar red. So. It's almost like marred. Mar red. It's like the hmm. sea rouge. They do have these um, words they use all the time. And rust is another one of those words that they put into the zeitgeist of recent that I think is red. I think it like goes rus, rust, something in Latin, which maybe means like a bloody or a red, but they, de- you know, with that Alec Baldwin movie and that shooting, they moved rust into our zeitgeist. And then Brittany started talking about rust and it became another word of our I don't know. I could be wrong. That was definitely one of the etymologies, though, that I did this year was on rust. But I I forget everything as soon as it enters my brain. It's like I call it. There's um, too much information. Well, it's like the movie Signs. I'm like, I just put glasses of water of information all over my brain. And then hopefully when I'm in conversation, I knock over the right ones. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the red also pertains. It's interesting, you know, you have the donkey for the the demon crats as blue, the blue color, mm-hmm. because in ancient Egypt, the symbol for lower Egypt and the symbol for upper Egypt were the two crowns. And if you basically, it's the double crown of Egypt. Horus is depicted with it. It's called the skint, which is spelled P S C H E N T. So it has a silent P in there. The skint, it combines the white crown of upper Egypt and the, red crown of lower Egypt. So the white is uh, head, head jet. And the, the red one is either red or brown. And it's the uh, russet crown or the deshret crown, russet meaning red. So that symbol of the lower Egypt also symbolizes the, the profane, like outside the temple. They don't know the double meaning of symbolism. It symbolizes the lower class people. And it's also tied with that color 
the russet color and the Deshret crown are tied with the ass or the donkey. Uh So that crown that is for the, the red crown that is for the masses is also a symbol of the ass. So to me, I think it's like a big practical joke that you even have the word ass in mass whenever they call people the masses. And (laughs) that's all I have. all I have on that. But the white is always a symbol of the initiates. So the, in the red, I guess is the profane in this sense. So you're, you're outside the temple with your red rabbit back there. (laughs) Yeah. My pink rabbit. That's where I also like the, um, when people talk about, or I've been talking about flag magic a lot of lately, like the sigil magic that they're creating on flags with the different colors, the different symbolism, different stamps. You brought up the Confederate flag, um, which I think is a huge symbol of state rights. Like it has been bastardized and created to be a symbol of slavery, but it has nothing to do with it. It's um, there's something magical about it because look how similar it is to the flag of the queen that we're not allowed to it's supposed to be using but the south used it for theirs and if you look into black history or native american history which that all leads together somewhere too but they have this flag representative in their cultures as well and then texas has its very own i I keep saying blue bell i don't know it's called blue bonnet something but they have their own state rights flags too so um I do kind of understand some of this. I don't know why people are compelled to carry a flag. I saw a lot of people carrying one when I was at the Capitol that day. But I know when I have like the same reason I can't put on a mask ever, it's like something internally won't let me do it in the same way that something internal internally was like, you have to put your hand on this limestone and then go touch that marble. I don't know why I had to do it, something internally. But people carry these flags for those reasons as well. And I also... That Nazi flag sucks, but the symbol of the swastika is probably the one one of the most powerful symbols of all time. But it's like they it's keep, an Ursa Major symbol because that's yeah. what the Big Dipper does over around Polaris. So it's just it's like ways they're demonizing and taking stuff from us, so though only they can use it. You know the Missouri flag. I live in Missouri. Oh, Missouri okay. flag is kind of interesting. It's got two bears around this golden belt with a knight's helmet on top and in the middle of the belt is a three-part symbol the right half of this circle has the united states like double-headed eagle with the arrows and the olive branch you know mm-hmm. and then the left side of the circle the inner circle is divided into two halves the top half is a blue quarter circle with a crescent moon mm-hmm. yeah and the bottom half is red with a, a silhouette of a bear and yeah, there's two bears standing on either side of it. And uh, this is also the seal. The flag just has the seal of Missouri on it. And it says at the bottom in Latin, Salus Populi Suprema Lex Esto, which I assume means probably the health or what's best for the population is the supreme law. Hmm. Uh, that would be how I interpret that. I would, Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what that would mean in Latin. It's interesting that bear symbolism, too, because you have that as well on the California flag, another people's republic of. And then you have that bear representation. And then you also have that star on like the stars. Anytime I see stars, um, the crescent moon's also represented on South Carolina. I always am like, huh, what's up here? I think the Florida flag's super interesting. I bring it up all the time because it's the opposite of the Swedish flag and the opposite of the Knights of Malta flag. So it oh, has yeah. that exact white 
red. It almost looks very royal. The Florida flag has a different look if you were going to look at it in that royal way of the stamp with the X across it. And then it has the gold seal. And then inside the gold seal is a Native American woman. So I'm looking at it now. I couldn't help but Google image search those flags as we talked about. No, <laughs> totally. You probably can pull out 10,000 more things. I don't have it in front of me. I never, I always just run on the top of my head for this show. I, I appreciate that you have such esteem for my observations, but I feel the same way about you. I'm like, you, you've got some really good stuff in there. Don't cut yourself short. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm just, um, I was a person raised on Hollywood and just kind of saw the symbology in that from staring at false flags for a decade and a half and then false somewhere flags. over the past five years only has just coming back in this way that I don't feel threatened by it where I'm obsessed with religions and obsessed with history and obsessed where I actually can put a place in my skull to say I can overlay these and think they all existed and I think that's a way where most people are like, no, none of this is real. This is all symbology of something else. And I'm like, I think it could all exist and be symbology of something else. If the symbology is strong enough, then it's going to make itself energetically in life. If the it's it, like, I can sit with you. And if we were to sit here for an hour and talk about a human being and design this human being from the ground up, and I've actually had this happen to me just in the last few weeks, give it, give this person a name, give this person a place, give this person a vibe, give this person everything where we start sharing stories about this person. Like we just are writing this person in a book. We're about to do an autobiography of this fake person we created within the next 14 days after this, that person will appear in our lives and we'll be like, what? It's because whatever we're pulling energetically now, it's almost like that if the tree falls in the forest and you're not around to hear it, you're creating the tree just by talking about it now. And so if mm. all of this energy is so big that it's written in the stars where they're like, Cheney, you were Joan of Arc in your former life. Was I or is it just an energy so big that Joan of Arc also had an energy of me? Like, was I her? Was she a little part me and a little part all of you guys, too? And that's why she was such a big power instead of all of us being Joan of Arc in a former life. Maybe Joan of Arc was a little piece of all of us then because that's what we needed to get here. But it's all attached. So I'm like, what if we're imprinted in the stars right now? And that really what you just said is the perfect explanation explanation of why the helio hex is what it is, because it's one thing to create a mythology and stories that explain the cycles of nature if you have the keys to decipher it. But it's another thing for those stories to be violent and, and vicious and, and fucked up in all the ways that they are, you know, mm -hmm. and like so much Zeus rape and things like that, <laughs> because now we're encoding that information into every transceiver of consciousness that learns it. And it's learned as if it's some innocuous thing, but it's all tying back to the most potent of energetic symbols that we've got, which is the one thing we all share. No matter where we are, we share the sky. Now, hemispheres, maybe it's a little different, but you still eventually see the same stuff that the other hemisphere saw, generally. <laughs> what's hemi? Yeah. What's the etymology? What's hemi stand for? Hemi mean? I'm going to look it up while you, I didn't want to interrupt you. I but think Hemi is like, I think Hemi is just like a, a portion or a half. I don't know. You have Hemi and you have Demi. Those things seem to mean similar things. 
I accidentally typed HMI and it was human machine interference or interference. You'll probably get like a truck, like a I know, that's what I thought. <laughs> hemi. Etymology. Yeah, just half. This is how I like to do it on the weaves too. I'm just always. <laughs> I'm always in Latin, on the fly. usually. I always just have my Latin bar up where I always am just putting everything in Latin. And sometimes I like to, like, if it's the word, you know, seven, I might break it up into sev. I might break it up into sever, or sometimes it'll just be se. And then I'll vin, vin, V I N, V E N. It's like some, I'll just keep splitting it up into different ways to see what I can make out of it. Sorry, I didn't want to get you off track with hemi, hemisphere. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> we had a track. Oh, shit. No, I'm just thinking, though, that I really admire individuals who are bold enough to start writing their own mythology to things like the sky clock. And I think that's actually crucial because maybe it's first necessary to know what actually is being encoded about nature that is important. And that may be an endless, an endless journey because it's not just the seasons that's encoded. You get alchemy and things like that. But I think, I really think that in the attempt to sort of corrupt and dilute and poison the well of ancestral knowledge done by the cult of L, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that they also mix up symbolism. I think that a lot of the stories that we get where we're trying to figure out, well, does it mean this and is it alchemy or is it astrotheology? I think the problem that makes it so confusing is that the people that transcribed and translated and gave us the versions of things that we have now, they didn't have a perfect knowledge of what it was they're looking at. They had an imperfect knowledge. It was coming from a time before that was more perfect. So that gives us, in my opinion, just as much right as they had to recode the stuff to the best of our ability. And if we need to make adjustments as we go to be more in alignment with what we see in nature as those of us who practice things like spagyrics and alchemy continue to learn and develop those arts, then great. But I do think the more I ponder it, the more valuable and worthwhile it is to, as a form of dehexing from the cult of hell. Just think about this. <laughs> we have L, right? That's uh -huh. this is one thing I wanted to bring up before. And that's the Lord or God or, or associated with Saturn or Kronos, which is really the angel of death. Angel of death, in my opinion, is also the angel of life. Like the hermetics say, it's just the sun in winter versus the sun in summer in, in encoding wise. But in Greek, we, they were called the Hellenes. Not, they didn't call themselves the Greeks. They worshipped Helios. Yeah, or they maybe worshipped is a strong word, but they considered Helios to be the sun. The thing about Greek, though, is when you learn that alphabet, the H is Eta or eta, and it doesn't have a huh sound in front of it. So even them, when we're talking about the Helen, Hellenes, or even Helen, or, Helena, or, or yeah. Helios, it's all actually Elios. They're the Hellenes, right? So mm -hmm. they're the cult of El, <laughs> mm -hmm. which connects them right back to the same Middle Eastern cults, or the, the what we, I guess, would call like the Judeo side of things. So it's all really one priesthood. And I think it goes all the way back to the, I think it's Eastern in nature because that's the next avenue of research that is necessary. I think for those of us who've been looking at the mythology of the, the Occident, if you will, to start looking into the Orient because mm -hmm. 
maybe that's where this hunter that's been hunting for our spiritual energy and currency, this Orion cult is coming from the Orient. And I think that's really evident whenever you go further. I think the Ophiala tree comes from there. I think they're well, the it's original. so interesting. We're going to go into, because we said the flag, the swastika, all these things they call uh, racist now that we're not allowed to talk about. There's another word you just said that it would be a key that in less than 10 years will be completely out of the zeitgeist orient. You're not even allowed to say that word talking about the Far East anymore. It's racist to call orient, oriental, any of that when the orient Siam, even the country Siam, just in our lifetime, maybe a little uh, over our lifetime is off the map and gone. But you could still have stuff in your grandparents house. If you look at the bottom of it, it was made in Siam. And that's how quickly they just take something gone. Siam. Yeah, I don't. Even, I couldn't even tell you shit about Siam. I think yeah. I've seen made in Siam on some like artifacts, but some old grandparent shit. But yeah. And so think of point. how much too we have all this Egyptian, we have all this Roman, we have all this Greco-Roman, we have all this Italian Catholic. All you know, we can go into Jerusalem. We can talk about Baal. We could talk about uh, Canaanites. But look at how much of the East we do not know anything about, even as conspiracy theorists. We can see some of the Buddha and what they tell us about that. We can see, um, you know, uh, a lot of the Hindi gods and what they tell us about that. We can see the architecture and some of the stuff that Tsarian uh, people believe it and what they tell us about that. But we really have no fucking idea because even um, if I pull my Manly P. Hall book right now, which I is from the 80s, the print of it is from 89. It's the Diamond Jubilee edition. It's it, I was is, born. it is such a killer edition of this book if you're ever going to get it. It's huge. Every piece of art you can look at in detail. The last That's print, what you really need. You need to see the ancient artwork. To. The is artwork it, is where there's actual evidence because if – if it's just someone's modern like DeviantArt page on the Google image search that depicts a god or goddess in a certain way or whatever, that doesn't really mean anything. But if you can trace something back to an ancient sculpture, an ancient painting, and the symbolism is laid out that way, it was probably done with intent. Or at the very mm -hmm. least, you have a stronger argument to make. But a crazy thing about these books, what I, which I want everyone to start looking in, because this is a big thing. I started to go to libraries in like 2019, 2020, and there was no books older than 1997 in the libraries. Nothing Whoa. anymore. 1997. That's not, that's so young. There was very few microfiche to go through anymore of newspapers. It was like they were starting to do this cleanse already of the rewriting of history. So I started to look in the back of all my books because the publishing houses of a lot of things, New York, Los Angeles, publishing houses, you know. But then if you look under that, the public, it was printed out of Los Angeles, but the last publishing house that came out was China. So I was like, this can't be. I started looking through all my oldest religious books, all the ones that I get my symbology and my old, like if I have a symbology furthest back in my brain, my hermetics, my Rosicrucian, my stuff, all of them published out of China. So I'm like, what have they stripped out of my Manly P. Hall book? I'm not worried about what they're adding in. I'm not worried about what they're adding into the Bible. I'm not wor worried about what they're adding into the Torah. I'm like, what did they take out of here that the original Manly P. Hall books had? That now we'll yeah. never know because he didn't just go with those four religions. Like there's so much. Everything out of even those four religions have nothing to do with Eastern. And those Makes are like think about the big ones are base everything on. All the all the association or obsession with the West and Westing that comes from these priest classes as they as we know them in places like Egypt. 
is it because it's the Orient with their sights set westward to expand westward expansion? They just keep going and going and going until the snake eats its own tail. I've thought if I were an evil villain and I was like, I'm going to move a sitting army into this country because I want a railroad in that country. Anyway, any place that's ever taken over anything, you need a railroad to do it. So I want to sit my sitting army in that country and build this railroad. So I just have to convince the American people to be safe. They are, they're going to need Japanese internment camps because they don't know how to tell the difference between a Japanese and a Chinese person. They won't know at all. So I'm just going to say they're internment camps, but really they'll just be work camps and soldiers there. Damn. I think Area 51 easily explained. That's Chinese technology that was always here, but it was less frightening for the American people to think it was UFOs than that another country was already standing down on them. We already know World War II, how we got into there. We're like, oh, that was Japan. But was it, though? How easy would it be to just paint a zero on your plane and bomb anything, especially if the president already knew you were coming? He set you up a whole bay to destroy. So we can go all the way back through our presidents from the one right now back, and they're all Chinese bot presidents and politicians. And I don't think it's anything that has anything to do with like, oh, a type of person versus this type of person or races or this. There's just this whole fucking part of the world that we know nothing about. And as a person who's obsessed with information, it's, huge. it's like every dead end I get to is eventually behind that Great Wall of China. And yeah. I, I'm wondering, because I know you dig like I dig, how many dead ends you get to the same place. You're absolutely onto it. That's, I'm onto the same thing, but just from a different avenue. Yeah, and I, I'm not really like there yet. I'm like knocking on that door and going, I think there's some shit behind this door. Well, look at Marco <laughs> Polo. I, I start, This is where I first started to get into it, because it was historical readings that were the same as Christopher Columbus's readings or the same as, you know, uh, Ponce de Leon. You have all these readings of these people that traveled and explored these places. And he wrote about everything true in this land. And he also wrote about dragons pulling cards. But this part's not true. All the Chinese zodiac, all the animals, all real, except the dragon. Sometimes they'll even call the serpent little dragon. So it's just like, huh, look at this dragon now. And then look at this dragon in our zeitgeist. Look at this dragon that's come in kind of since Game of Thrones. Kind of yeah. taken over our whole world while we've been locked down. Yeah, and the dragon is also a watcher. So it really fits with the idea of like this silent, invisible power that we're describing. An invisible you know, enemy. <laughs> it's watching us, but we don't see it very well. And then look sure. what they tell us of TikTok and technology. So if you were... def TikTok's definitely watching us. <laughs> yeah, and all the computers out one. in front of us. Fuck that shit. Or who knows even like um, what space stations were created by who or even what we're told because people still argue um, even the whole World War II narrative. Like people argue the whole entire World War II narrative. But then you hear all these other countries, you know, Russia's like, well, we lost 20 million people in that war. And we lost all these people in Japan and America and Germany and all this. And sweet. But China's over there just killing their babies. <laughs> well, China's got some claim to World War II. They say that Japan brutalized them pretty bad. But that's the story. And it's hard to wrap your head around with the 
size difference between Japan and China. And isn't China like kind of in the north, like part of Russia, part of China? Isn't that the stamp kind of area of Tataria, like where it is on the maps? Yeah, and India is right there too. Uh, in Dylan's book, he links the idea of Ethiopia, not Ethiopia as it is a country in Africa now, but like when you hear the myth of Perseus or whatever, he's flying back from killing the Medusa and they they go over Ethiopia. They're talking about India or Hindustan with that. Ethiopia, which also... atheist. They don't believe in this God. <laughs> and Ethiopia is like a Aether too. Hmm. Atheist, aetherist. Yeah, oh, what a different A-E- word. Even that symbol, if you take the eight, um, uh, all right, there's not an atheist symbol. Is there an atheist symbol? I was about to think of the anarchist symbol. <laughs> they probably, <laughs> they probably, they probably have probably an atheist symbol. symbol. <laughs> like, we don't believe in symbols. No, I know people that have atheist tattoos, and I'm like, huh, <laughs> I don't really know what to think of that. Is there a symbol for atheism? Oh, yeah. I guess there is. It's, it's really just the dumb. emoji with the like mo- <laughs> the monocle. <laughs> like, hmm. Well, when you look, okay, so I looked it up, and it is kind of interesting. It is very hexy in the sense that it's a like an atom. It looks like an atom, right? It's mm-hmm. these rings with the little with one little dot of an electron. I, I just. I feel like I almost have to screen share it for you, but it'd be best if I describe it visually for the audience. So it's like, imagine a star of David, but instead of pointed edges at the edges of the triangles, they're rounded and they're made to look like rings that an atom or an electron of an atom is traveling around on these rings. Because atheists are believe the science. Yeah, which but is the not a religion. That just FYI. came up was literally just like the exact same hex of, of the, this so-called Star of David or Seal of Solomon, which is very interesting. Because that that symbol has a lot of meaning. If We're going to put that symbol in um, Project Haney Telegram. Oh, yeah, I absolutely will. I'll keep this up. Atheism symbol. <laughs> so there's a couple others. There's one that looks kind of like a chevron with a circle around it. Mm-hmm. It resembles a little bit like the anarchy symbol. But that's that idea of the the hex, the six pointed star, is interesting because in the Pythagorean and Pythagoras Pythagoras, if you will, comes from the word Python. He's like Another snake. Yeah, he's a serpent initiate. He ha- popularized or described the tetractus as a mystical, like numerical pathway to understanding the divine. So the tetractus is remember like the Cracker Barrel or restaurants like that where they have the that triangle shaped game with the golf pegs, yes. the golf the tees, tees that you yeah. jump over each other. So imagine that shape. It's got a triangle with one at the top, and then the next row is two, and the next row is three, and the next row is four. That's actually a Pyth- Pythagorean tetractus, which is explaining how when you get to four, it creates ten again through what you call th- like theosophical addition or reduction. And that is when you take the digits that make up a number, like four would be one, two, three, four. You Mm -hmm. add one plus two plus three plus four, it equals 10. So uh, in the middle of that shape, 
if you drew all the lines between everything, it actually creates the Star of David shape too. Huh. So that so basically the center of the tetractus or the center of the tetragrammaton, there's a hex around the middle of it. You could say it's hexed. <laughs> it's it's not that it maybe isn't that symbol it makes a hexagon but the hexagon is related to the star of david symbol because there's a hexagon in the middle of it too it wouldn't have it's not exactly the same as the seal of solomon the the chalice and the blade put together but it's that middle part the hexagon what's the middle serpent what's sir what's the etymology (laughs) of sir because don't we get into surf and that kind of idea of water again but it would make me because serpent is the opposite of serpent repent? So sir is a is the rock, actually, mm-hmm. which is the Lord. And there's a lot of words that come from sir that you wouldn't even realize, like tear, the god tear. Mm-hmm. We say tear, T-I-R. It's phonetically looks a lot like the word that's spelled T-Y-R-E, which is a Phine- so-called Phoenician word. Phoenicians are a hilarious idea, though, because we get everything we know about Phoenicians from guys like uh, Eusebius, who is a philosopher, translator of ancient writings that the originals were lost. And all we have is the translation of a translator, hmm. <laughs> not the translator's translation, but we have a somebody, a photo of a photo of a photo. So that's everything Phoenician is that. But tur or tire is what people say when they see T-Y-R-E, which is a so-called Phoenician city, uh, as far as I know. Tear, like even a tear, a tier of um, like class or a tier levels. Um, but they pronounce that T-Y-R-E word pronounced sir. Huh. Yeah, but then you see it and you would think it means tear or says tire. But it's actually sir, which is potter, which is <laughs> even when you say, when you say yes, sir, you're literally saying sun god. Or Sun Lord, mm. because Sir, Sir is the rock or the god. It's the Baal. You know, we even, we get the, this is the rock star, Zoroaster. Zor, mm. Zor means rock. So an aster means star. They've been encoding this idea of the rock star in so many languages across time. It's ridiculous. The aster actually. world of it all. The astro world of it all. <laughs> Do you know, speaking uh, of astro world, Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner um, had their baby on 2222 portal. And I always uh, point out that these witches, their conception dates are as important as their birth dates. And um, moon children is something I'm kind of just learning about of somebody being born in a cancer moon sign. And that most of these celebrities and specific dates and a lot of Marys and a lot of Anne's um, all are born on their moon children. So, oh, a cancer moon is a moon child. Yes. I know a moon child. I'm a teller. Yeah. So apparently all <laughs> moon these are born under a cancer moon, but maybe something else like cancer is the symbol of the moon. I don't know the whole thing. I'm so. It, well, cancer is ruled by the moon mm-hmm. and it's also the chariot. Hmm. But, and, oh. and the tarot. Do and the favorite tarot card? We'll just, I'll just pull a random one. <laughs> the lovers comes up. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that fits me talking about someone with a cancer moon. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the person I'm talking about. But so, the, the chariot, Gabriel has done some good work on this. And in our last weave, we got into it this whole with uh, symbolic studies, Mar- Mario, where we're talking about 
all these depictions of the chariot where the upper half of the figure is like stuck in a, 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 a rectangle or a square that's like a solid brick and they don't appear to have any legs or anything. That's interesting. And then we didn't go into it as far as I wanted to. Hopefully we'll get Mario back and talk about all the symbolism of beings with snakes, snakes for legs. Oh yeah, weird. the Abraxas and the Medusa. You could uh, one of the things when you were talking about the Ursa Major and the bear. I was like, and then the sea and the blah. It was like Ursula, uh, the sea witch, and from the Little Mermaid. And then I was curious. I did not do any digs on this, but I was like, I wonder how many legs Ursula has. I wonder if hmm. she has the octo legs like a normal octopus, or if there's something else going on with her that Disney would hide to be specific, like she has, you know, five legs and two arms, actually giving her seven. You know? Ursula, Ursa. Yeah. And Sir Ursa is like Sir, where you just move the S to the end instead of at the beginning. And she's the Black Sea Witch. Sea Gnarly. Witch. Yeah, I thought it was like how Disney puts everything in there. <laughs> everything's in yes, Disney they movies. Do. You can attach all of it. Okay, we did marry a little. What about Diana real quick? What about Diana? <laughs> well, <laughs> what's the symbolism she... of Princess Di or a Diana or even um, the goddess Diana? Yeah. What's your elevator I... speech? <laughs> My elevator speech. Well, I think that it's all the sea when you go down to it. Um I don't have a, I would want to like have some time to maybe prepare more on Diana other than what I'll say Venus is uh, also known as Venus anadiomene. Mm -hmm. So it's spelled differently, but like Diana is basically on a D and you, you can flip that around. There's a, all kinds of phonetic reversals that happen between these languages. So Anna D it's D would be D I, but D I, you could also be D Y. So I guess the way, what I'm saying here is that it's the, it's Inanna <laughs> in a way like Inanna, Diana, Anna D, Selena. Inanna, you know, it's, it's all Virgo Marina at the end of the day. Um, but it also connects you when, when you make the link to Di, uh, Inanna with it, Inanna's pretty close to y Yanua, you know? Mm -hmm. Inanna, Yanua. Yanua is the romanization of the January. The year is the Annas, <laughs> the Janus. So, like, there's a D-Anna, Ayana, Yanua, Annas, you know, Janus. It's all, it's... <laughs> Janus, Uranus. A, yeah, yeah, your anus. <laughs> yeah, your and er is the fire. Er is uh is fire actually. So when you see the the er in the old things, it's referring to the fire. And who is who is uh, John? You know, John is. If you go to the Romanization, it would be I instead of a J. I on S. It was Yannis instead of John, and that's like saying the one which is i the uh and then on is the sun and s is like the fire so it's the same it's like the soul invictus in everything Every, like everything comes Jonah, back down to the soul Jonah invictus and, the and it's the mother and the father and the son so 
that's like, I think the, the hard to understand secret is the sun is born, is born of the sea. So that's where you get the, the mare aspect, but also the mother is the son in a weird way. And the, the son is the father. It's all this trimurti trim Trinity symbolism all the way down. Like that's the origin of the Trinity to me is that, well, maybe that's not the origin of it, but that's the, the truth of the Trinity is that it, it's usually encoding the triune nature of the sun. And the fact that before the current version of the calendar, it was a three season conceptualization. They didn't have four seasons in their year, which is really interesting too. And that's, I don't know. <laughs> I need to learn more, but it's a, uh, I recommend people read the or listen to the audiobook I just narrated because tell people is, about it. This is so cool. Yeah. Dylan Sicosio, he wrote a series called Spirit World and I narrated the third book in that series, but they're not really linear, so you don't need to go to the first two before this one. I think the third one's the best one. It's called July's End with Black Swans and it's a uh, probably like a 10-hour uh, audiobook. And the whole thing is just the etymological decoding and deconstructing of all these cults leading you back to the Orient. Although the next book will be even more about the, the Orient. It's just basically de de-spelling, de-hexing all of this, showing that it's all astrological, it's all solar worship, it's all the cult of Helios. And by getting people to believe in the literal stories of it is what's hurting them but if you can learn the basic pattern you start to see it in everything so that's what the value of it is you, you learn the basic pattern the basic script that they're uh, altering or basically dressing up to give us the different mythologies of the world and even to give us euharimisms of supposed historical characters like the our rasputins <laughs> you see the script you learn the dual signifiers in various symbols or sometimes triple signifiers it's basically a way of uh, overcoming that divide between the priestly, you know, the hieratic script and the uh, demotic script, the priestly language and the, the vulgar tongue, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of versions of that divide. There's also how that exists in the legal system, how words mean one thing in the legal dictionary that's totally antithetical to the way that we use the words in our common speech. but it's also just for those who are word nerds, it's a really, really fun book. You'll learn a bunch and you'll want to listen to it again and again and maybe probably want to see it visually too. But I did really work hard to make sure I pronounced all those weird names and Greek and Latin words correctly. So where can everyone check it, it out? Can they it find out. it everywhere they get an audio book? Yeah, it's on Audible. Oh, if they awesome. use my if they use my specific link to sign up for Audible and get the first month free and then they want to do the next, they get that book for free. That'd be awesome. And if they want to do the next two months of audible and stay on there and get the other two spirit world books, they would not regret it because they all do go together. Well, and there's a fourth one coming from Dylan pretty soon, as far as I know, and I will most likely get to narrate that one too, because it went so well with this one. And where can a, they find your link? Oh, uh, I'll have to send it to you. I, I've started, it only just came out. So I've started Perfect. posting it with my podcast, but 
I, I need to get it onto a link on my website. So I'll, I'll do that after our talk. And I'll drop it when I drop this episode. So everyone will be able to find that. And I'll also post it in the Project Cheney Telegram. So. And I'll put it under the shop tab of my website after this conversation. I need to do that anyway. So interversepodcast.com is where all the things I do can be found. Uh, do you want me to run through all the things? Yeah, do it. I'm going to have to have you back. Now. I feel like for real, we could too. probably we talk the going. whole time just about the cosmic egg. And I feel like I was kind of all over the place a little um, because of how much we've hung out and talked already. Um, But I really, I feel like I could have you on one whole show just to talk about the cosmic egg and one whole show just to talk about the placenta symbology. And I feel like this word comes up and people are like, what placenta symbology? Um, But it's so heady. Like you really blew my mind with it. And people can go check out an episode that I hung out with you in Slick Dissonant where we go into it a little bit, but it's still not even, I feel like even that show is a tip of the iceberg on what I've talked to you about it is. this whole thought process with the tree of the life next interverse is all placenta twin the next episode's all placenta but it's not in the spiritual sense it's more like the biology and the uh the legal sorcery of it so there's so many elements of it though that that exchange you exchange the afterbirth for your personhood and that's very real uh, sorcery. So that's actually the next episode of Interverse is a full-on placenta casserole. I've got it in the oven. <laughs> oh, perfect. So probably by the time this gets released, that will already be out. And then all those links will be there. And then people can go and geek out a little bit. And then I can have you, but it'll be a whole good thing. So placenta and cosmic egg next time you fully come back. And um, yeah, drop if you want to do that, I will come prepared with like, uh, I'll give myself an outline of all the crazy things I've that I think is going on with cosmology. And I love this. And I actually have plans that my season two of project Cheney, I am going to have a video version up on YouTube, probably more like Rockfin, but then it'll be visual too. So um, we can do some of it just for audio. And then there'll be, cause I know some of your art and depictions and um, symbols you've pu- pu- pulled together. Sometimes if people can see it visually too, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is in every religion. Like even the swastika, when you can really see it all the way through Hindu and Buddhism and Christianity and then star stuff and paganism, you're like, whoa, I don't know anything. And that's just one symbol. So anyways, (laughs) tell everyone where they can find everything you've done. Okay. Interversepodcast.com will give you the links to everything. I do the weekly main show. That doesn't come out on a certain day, but I also have Vibrant on Wednesday nights and that's live at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. More of a community jam. We take live callers. We interact with the audience and we tell dad jokes Well, we still get heady, but it's more fun and funny too. I've got those two things. I do weaving spiders. Welcome most every Saturday uh, at this point, it's like such a valuable part of my life. I don't know if I can allow myself to miss it <laughs> every once in a while. I imagine I'll be busy, but in the winter time when there's less shit to go out and do anyway, I work I'm, every I'm Saturday there. till so late. And if, if I'm out of words, I still watch you guys for hours. Like I'm still on, it's still the only thing on in my house on YouTube. And I always just think the spiders are where you can go. If you have conspiracy and spirituality friends that you're always digging in rabbit holes and talking about these next level things, and you think you've heard it all, go to the spiders and it's not going to be mass vax, like the normal shit it's going to be all this next level like you're really reading secret teachings of all ages but it's just coming out of 10 people's mouths and then (laughs) you might hear everything from like for real 
ancient Canaanite stuff all the way to really recent Hollywood and then all the weaves that attach from then as early back as we can all look in our history to Britney Spears. And it's so great. It's so fun. That's a really good description. And uh, what I love about it is it's like that idea that if you want to get stronger, then you need to train with people that are stronger than you. I feel iron that sharpens iron. Yeah, that's why I'm in there because we all have our specialties or whatever, but I'm just there to learn as much as I am to contribute. And I treat the, the Saturday night as like live research time. So when I'm not talking, I'm listening, but I'm also like, what about this goddess? And I go look up the, the old artwork of them and I'm like, oh, yep, there's the symbol littered all over it. And it just becomes this crazy quest. It's so fun. So I do all that. I've got sound healing on offer, sound balancing. That's a whole conversation topic in and of itself, describing the, and maybe some of the cosmic egg talk could go into that because it is a fractal thing, the way that our biofield is similar to the, in my opinion, part of what helps me understand the realm we're in is by looking at how it must be similar to the way our, our individual fields work. So I do that with people. It's a really powerful modality. Also do Oracle card counseling, basically tarot and I Ching spiritual guidance from you to you with the cards as the the medium. And yeah, that's probably the gist of it. Chance at interversepodcast.com if you want to hit me up for any of the service side of things. And I've got a raging telegram group, really fun, hundreds of people in there. It's a lot, but it's not overwhelming. It's like really respectful for there being 450 people. And nobody, awesome. It's not spammy. No, I, one of the great things I just feel like off the spiders that I've met or maybe just where I'm getting to. So the people that I'm meeting, um, there seems to be a lot healthier egos in this part of where you need an ego because it makes you put your foot out in front of the other with an idea in an open forum. You need to have it just to sit, open your mouth and speak your words aloud. Um, but then you need to have a healthy enough one that you're allowing other people to kind of place the ground under your next step. And it's yeah. like these two, th it's just a really interesting chemistry that's really happening in live time. And the people that might be on screen are doing it, but then the chat room's doing it too. And it's like this really, I feel like everyone always leaves the spiders with like a little new aha. And everyone always has something they add to the spiders that it's their common knowledge, but everybody else in the room is like, what? You just added a piece <laughs> to my puzzle that blew my mind. And you're like, I've been saying this for like two years. <laughs> it's like church, but the like the good kind. Yeah, totally. Saturday Night Live. It yeah, is. check us out on Weaving Spiders. Hopefully you can get out of work a, a day and come weave with us soon. I I'd like to have you on a, what about I'll... Wednesday nights? I'd like to have you on my Vibrant show because that's a video and live and we can interact with the people. 8 p.m. Yeah, Central totally Wednesday. Down. I'm totally okay. down. I, I have to. Here, wait. Look, at, I'm going to look at my calendar right here. We'll pencil it in. I know because I have to see. I feel like I have something. Look at nothing Wednesday. But yeah, if not this Wednesday, some Wednesday coming up. We'll have to do it. Maybe the 23rd. And I've got a lot open in the second half of March. So we'll talk about it, but I'll definitely make sure and get you in there real soon. All right. And a perfect. regular interverse too. Yeah. We should just keep collabing chance and Cheney. It's a, it's a blast. I told you it's my brother's name. Oh, I don't think you told me I've that. I've never told you that. That's my kid brother's no. name is chance. Whoa. Is your middle Whoa. name start with an M? 
No, middle name starts with a B. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, my brother's nickname, I call him Bubba sometimes. <laughs> Is your middle name Bubba? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nope, nope. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on Project Cheney. It's been fun. Thank you. Much love. Much love back at you. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. So she has been Cheney, and now she's off to smoke a blunt. See you next Tuesday, you fucking cunts.